and welcome to episode 37 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answer to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we move on, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. As a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last week's episode. It's finally happened. Yes! <laughs> You've managed to take off the yes! shiny hat. Yes! So yeah, glad. Well it's done. been ruining my hair for weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I you I think it's justified this time around. Yeah. So, do you want do you want to, do you want to tell everyone what happened? Take well, ownership so of what it you turns did. out that my idea of casting Lee Pace as virtually every elf in the first age uh, just didn't go down well. The problem is, like, you're not. I mean, you are. You're objectively terribly wrong. <laughs> Except but I'm not, though, am I? But you're also not wrong that Lee Pace is the best actor to play. Any elf. Yeah, he's just great. I think in the Hobbit, he, just, he was just so perfect as an elf king, you know, an elf lord. He just might not be the right character to play, the right actor, sorry, to play every elf. Nah, I think it could work. I think of the yeah. costs we would save. I also really didn't like getting AI to do the the Einar, but... Oh, I but thought that was inspired. I don't, I don't think talking ever, about. I don't think I'm ever going to shift you on that one. <laughs> well, the the problem is you can't do them any other way. Really, no, I'm sure you could, but yes, like it would be very, very difficult. We spent a long time trying to cast uh, a half Maya and didn't agree. So yeah, it was. I don't think we were ever going to agree on that. No, but well. Yeah, <laughs> tinfoil hat. It's been a long time. I'm almost honoured. Don't be. It's not. It's not something to be proud of. Wear it in uh, shame, like you should. Okay, fine. I will wear it in shame, but uh, I'll be handing it back to you. I'm sure. I'm sure. We're talking Dresden Files, so it's coming home. <laughs> Dresden Files always a always a source of um, great agreement between us. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Dresden Files, yes, because we so expertly and professionally decided last time what it was we're going to talk about. Yeah, we properly binned it off last time, didn't we? Really, we really did. I love just how we got to the end of the episode and we're like, oh, none of us actually, neither one of us planned anything here. <laughs> um, I blame you, naturally. I, I blame me too. Yeah. Uh, but we threw it open to, 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 disc, to our Discord server after you, I think quite correctly, just picked something for us to talk about. So we said last time that we'd be talking Dresden Files, and then we asked our, our Discord server what about the Dresden Files they'd like us to, to talk about. And we ignored most of the suggestions. Virtually all of them, yeah. Virtually all of them. Uh, someone was very keen that we talk about Jim Butcher's latest short story, The Law, and I just can't be bothered to read it. Yeah, we should talk about that a little bit, though. Like It's, it's odd that you're I don't, so I don't against know. reading it. I don't it's know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't like, in general, the short stories at all. I don't like any of them. Well, that's not true, because some of the ones that I have read, I didn't mind. Like the one from Thomas's perspective, where you learn about the Oblivion War, for example. I did quite like Yeah, that's a really good one, yeah. That's a really good one. But I don't like the fact that it almost feels like I have to do homework now to keep up with the main 
series. Um, is it no? It's just embellishment. It, it isn't. It isn't. It's like so. Is it cold case? The Molly and Ramirez one. Uh, is that cold case? I haven't actually read that one to be fair. No, this is the thing. Nor have I. It just it inhabits so much of the the zeitgeist that I know what happens in it. But like that is absolutely pivotal to understanding Ramirez in Battlegrounds. <sighs> yeah, but you know, having not read it and then going into that, the, the sort of mystery is quite nice in some ways. Maybe. Maybe. And I wonder if, if genuinely reading that short story would would influence that. Yeah, it's worth trying, actually. What, actually reading it? Yeah, actually reading it and seeing if, if the interaction between um, Ramirez and Harry is any different in my mind. Fair. No, that's, that's maybe worth doing. I haven't read it, but because I know what happens in it, I feel like I... Oh, I know what happens. I understand yeah, but... the interaction between Harry and Ramirez... Yeah, yeah, but you sort of want to see the, the nuance of that. But yeah, yeah I guess what, no, what I'm just hoping for is that it might explain why Harry is such a complete and utter idiot in that book. Because Harry doesn't know. Harry doesn't know, but Harry also just doesn't, just doesn't come clean to his friend, you know? It's not, it's not very hard to just say, listen. That's not going to be explained in Cold Case, though. No, but yeah... I think the the answer is that Harry has spent so much... The reason that Harry doesn't come clean to anyone in Battleground is he spent so much time with a persecution complex from, well, Stormfront, that he no can't see that the White Council has legitimate security concerns about him. Because all he sees is, wow, White Council being mean to me again. Yeah, which is one of the greatest ironies about Harry Dresden in general, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he always, you know, he always says Marcone is is like the the biggest evil around, and he will one day get rid of him without mm. really actually unpacking any of that. Yeah, it's it's the character only works because he doesn't have these conversations with people like Ramirez or Ebenezer or whoever it might be. But oh, well, yeah, but Harry and Eb as a as a pair is so frustrating. Just use your words. Yeah, that's the, that's they're too similar for their own good. Um, I think. Use your words. Yeah, they really are. Just this complete lack of communication. Yeah. Um, this just reminded me. We should definitely one point do your Marcone good or bad. I think Marcone good or bad is really interesting because I want to say bad. Yeah, but no, you I'm want not, to say bad, yes, because you're one-dimensional. But I'm not sure even I can make the case stick. Well, I guess post um, battlegrounds, it, we have, we may have to reassess. <laughs> I don't. But this is this is where something that I want to come on to later when we actually start talking about what we were what we're actually going to talk about. It's oh, okay, you're still going to stick to the script, quote unquote. Oh God, no. Um, <laughs> I've already thrown it out. I don't... Yeah, so... Basically, I think this episode is just going to be us chatting about the Dresden Files and various other media. So, buckle up. Yeah. I'm not... You know, just hang up.
<laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've got this far, we've got your download stat, so it's fine. You can just stop listening. I'm not 100% convinced that the coins are 100% evil. Okay, now, now that's not something I ever expected you to come out and say. It's difficult, right? Because they're, obvi- they're obviously a corrupting influence. And some of them are obviously evil. Like, uh, is it Mag- Magog, the one that just turns you into a gorilla? Yeah. But Magog is clearly just a, a violent monster. Yeah. But... I, I struggle to get my to put, to put this straight in my head. It all comes down to the nature of the relationship between the coin holder and the fallen within the coin, right? Because sure. if, the, if the fallen within the coin is capable of controlling the coin holder, then that's a problem. But if the coin holder is capable of using the tools that the fallen gives them to essentially augment their own power, a la Marcone and Thorned Namshiel, then is that necessarily evil? Now, obviously well, given, they... given that you started off your um, spiel here by saying that they're a corrupting influence, well, surely it's... the term corruption implies uh, something... It, it does. It absolutely does, but what if the corruption is just the temptation to use the coin, i.e. to take the shortcut path? So to quote Tolkien, choosing between what is right and what is easy. But what if you use... very much J.K. Rowling. It absolutely is. God, I'm so sorry. Well, well done for instantly snatching that tinfoil hat back. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think right. you may have to hand in literally all your nerd credentials right no, now. No, no, I'll, I'll hold my hand up. <laughs> that is absolutely wrong. Wow. I've got, I've, got talking, I've got talking on the brain from the trailer. I, um, I'm not sure that I can continue to talk to you. That is an absolute shocker. That's really bad. <laughs> wow. Not only, not only is that really bad; it's completely derailed my train of thought. What was I saying? <laughs> what, what, what if you take, if you use the easy path to do what is right, essentially? Yeah, but I, I think the problem is that you, you, you cannot master the coin. Once but you, you can put the coin down. Yes, but then you forfeit all its power. Sure, but isn't it just a isn't doesn't that just make it a tool? Right, so um, no, it's it's I guess it's it's quite literally a contract with the devil in some ways, isn't it? True. Yes, part. it is it is just a Faustian bargain. So now now Thorned Namshiel I think might be an interesting example. Yes, this is this is the thing, right? Because not all denarians are the same or even equal. Yeah. But then that's also the one who assaulted uh, Arctis Tor. True, and we still don't know anything about that. 
Yeah, except that it's got some sort of a, a suggestion of outsideriness. Yeah, but we don't know who was holding the coin. We don't know who was holding the coin, no. Um, we, but we know it, it um, made Mab a little bit um, upset. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> but, it, but it also enabled Harry to get to Winter's wellspring. If that assault hadn't happened, then Harry wouldn't have been able to get to Winter's Wellspring to release Summer's Fire to pull the troops back from the border, which uh, was what Mab wanted then. all along. Now then, I don't know how true that is. No, nor do I. Because Mab was very much there and knew that Harry was there. Yeah, but she can't just let him. Yeah, if, but then, but then saying that guards are. If her guards are there, she can't let Harry just walk in. Yes, true. But they, yeah, then the question is, who 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 orchestrated that? Was it Mab or was it Thorin Namshiel? Yeah, this is this is what's really complicating about the whole thing is. Who, yeah, I, I I don't know. Was it time traveling, Harry? <laughs> time traveling, Harry. Time traveling, Harry. Hell. Yeah, exactly. Time traveling Harry and Marcone. Harry and Marcone go back in time to stage an assault on Arctis Tor to allow Harry to go in. Or not uh, to you know what? To, not to allow Harry to go in, but which allows Harry to go in. Uh, I kind of like that theory. It's awful, isn't it? But the, the Thorn and Amshill has always been Marcone. Is that what we're going with? No, Thorn and in, in, in the books. No, because we've th- seen. Namshiel. Uh, oh Namshiel, yeah, we saw him. Uh, he's at the, the aquarium, right? He's at the aquarium. Yeah. But but since the aquarium, like that Thorn Namshiel at the um, went back to Arctis Tor. Yeah. yeah, the one the, the one at Arctis Tor was Marco. Oh, that's quite a nice theory. I do like that. It's quite it's quite it's quite neat, isn't it? Can I give the tinfoil back? No. Yeah, no fair. You you misquoted Tolkien. That's that's unacceptable behavior. <laughs> I think what's we have the, to, we have to create like an almost separate category for this. What's the Tolkien quote I was thinking of? Is it we must all we can do is decide what we We do with the with the time, we'll the time us, given to us. But that's kind not of even remotely relevant to the point <laughs> no, of I think you were just quoting Dumbledore. Quite I think honestly. I was just quoting Dumbledore, but he Ian McAllen. Um, Jesus, yeah, wait, wait, wait to get us going for this episode. Um, so, so yeah, no, I think that would be a very interesting debate: is Marcone good or bad? But uh, I didn't know you're going to spin it into is uh, or other coins good or bad? Because well, I think I think the fact that he took up a coin is sort of thrown around as evidence that he's evil because the coins are evil. But we're only told that the coins are evil, really, other than by Harry's subconscious, which is clearly highly unreliable, by people who live in a world of black and white morality. Now, I live in a world of black and white morality, more or less. So I sort of should be receptive to everything Michael Carpenter says. But there's something about the coins that I don't, I don't know where I stand on. See, but for, for once, I, I have to... 
stand on the side of, of, of black and white sure. views as well because it's Michael Carpenter, right? This is the this is the issue, and, and he if it was just Fort Hill, but it's not. It's actually Michael. Yeah, and the, and their point is it's it's literally the coin and the entities contained within the the, the evil, right? Because they they still to the to the very end believe in the people who have picked up the coins. You know, even, are, even are the, savable. Yeah, yeah, even a Nicodemus, right? But it, but is Andoriel evil or is Nicodemus evil? Oh, they're or, both or evil. Both is for sure, one hundred percent both evil. Now, whether or not Nicodemus started off like that—that's a—that's a, that's a maybe. Question. Maybe that's the question that I want to poke at. When Nicodemus picks up the coin in, you know, fifty uh, CE or whatever it was, is he at that point evil, or does he become evil over the next two thousand years? Yeah. And I, and I guess the the other question with 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 all of this because I mean I agree Nicodemus is evil but I I think he's working on the right side. Sure, but that's and, an ends justifies the means point, it, which it, it, is something that I tend to be allergic to. But it but it it it's why this is an interesting debate, right? Because we can say the coins are probably in the grand scheme of things evil, but they're so heavily outclassed by the genuine evil and threat to creation, which is the outsiders. Yeah. That that relatively, you know, there's an argument to be made for them not not being totally evil. Because there's all this theory that um, Lucifer himself will, will play some sort of major role in helping the good guys win. Yeah, if that's how we want to call it, uh, what we want to call it, um, helping reality win. Yeah. Which, which is a nice little sort of trope of, uh, you know, you can't have reality without good and bad. And there's always yes. a big fish. If we, if we just get all the cliches out today. Re- reality, re- reality is defined by the struggle between good and evil. So getting rid of that is sort of renders Lucifer pointless. Yes. Or something. You can't have shadow without light. That's a better way of putting it. I'm vaguely know, reminded of something that happens in the last book of The Wheel of Time, but you've not read that, so I won't spoil it for you. No, and that's going to take me a little while to <laughs> to get to that point. I, I can probably spoil this. You see a world with no evil at some point, and it is as horrible as a world with no good. Interesting, okay. For different That's an interesting concept. For different reasons, but it's 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 really interesting the way it's done. That doesn't spoil anything, I don't think. No, that is interesting. So so yeah, I think we should we should gear up for a genuine rematch on our sort of morality points of view. I think so, we, we tried this in the Lord Ruler <laughs> episode, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, genuine genuine thousand year tyrant who creates a literal hellscape. Over which to rule. Yeah, which turns even out, I couldn't defend. <laughs> turns out not really the one. Turns out that that is a problem, yeah. But maybe John Marcone, that, that could be an interesting yeah. standpoint. And, and Nicodemus Arcleone, actually. Well, I, get, I guess you're, the, the, the point becomes, and this is probably play, tipping my hand 
I think Nicodemus is where you end up if you start with John Marcone and you wait 2,000 years. Uh, maybe. Uh, the thing that we don't really have a good grasp on is the, the, the personality of the coins, right? Because Anduriel is very... Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's literally a shadow, which I guess very is meant to imply that it's not the most active of... Um... Well, yeah, they're described as Hell's spymaster. Yeah. But presumably also the one who, who cheated so much that Mr. Sunshine had to step in. I, I think is that ever confirmed that it, that, that it's is? never confirmed if it's Anduriel or Lash or Laskiel, I suppose, or sort of Laskiel told Anduriel what to say, which I think is probably the correct interpretation. Yeah, because I just have like sort of this imagery of, of a shadowy figure. It's a shadow that says it. Yeah, which which but, presumably to me always implied Anduriel. But it there's something in skin game that implies that it was Laskiel, I think. When she's or it's Yeah, she's just angry. Hannah Asher. Yeah. But she she says something specific. I think about how if the, if if that wasn't enough to kill you, then I guess I'll just have to burn you or something. But I suppose that still could have been Anduriel. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they are sort of a team, aren't they? Ultimately. Yeah. Um, well, and, and this is where it's interesting, right? Because that coin, which created an image in Harry's head, which he kind of turned good, maybe if we can say that. <laughs> it's so unclear. The the the, the entity within the coin Lash, itself yeah. is clearly not. I mean, she just seems very angry, <laughs> ultimately. Yes, we never see Laskiel in Harry's head. We only ever see Lash, which is not the same thing. Yeah, but, but we we essentially never, ever see the actual fallen angels themselves, right? We only, we only see them as as they are with their... Sort of symbiotic yeah. partners. I suppose that's true. I'm trying to think. I think that's true. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it is fundamentally a symbiotic relationship. That, that That's probably... Yeah. It's either I'm symbiotic sure. or parasitic. You were largely the same thing in some ways, um, sure. but you have to wonder if if a Michael Carpenter picks up a coin, for example, like what what would happen, right? I said, I imagine they'd try and tempt him, and he'd put the coin down. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, but but I'm wondering, would would he? Is he of such unbelievably unshakable faith that he might be able to unfall a fallen angel? No. Because there's there's a theological point here, and obviously the theology of the Dresden verse is probably something that we're going to talk about later. But falling is an absolute act. So in 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 see, I, no, I don't think is, that that can be true. No, this is a, this is a, this is a sort of genuine point of Catholic dogma, I believe. Oh yes, because let's let's put so much stock in Catholic dogma. 
it's basically what it's basically the cosmology of the Dresden Files is Catholic dogma. Um, yeah, but sure, but 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 up until Lucifer falls, there is absolutely nothing that would even possibly suggest that an that's angel true. Would fall. That's true. But the act of falling is an absolute act because See, angels. No, are... I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so no, because no. because the whole point of Catholicism is forgiving, right? No, but but that is that's humans. That's not angels. Angels. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, and I think Monkey in our Dresden fire in our Discord knows this better than me, so please correct me when I get this wrong. But I believe the, the dogma is that when given the opportunity to fall or not fall, all angels at that point and that point only exercised a choice, and that choice was an absolute choice because angels are beings of pure and perfect will who are fully yeah. fully cognizant of the <laughs> consequences of their choices. We're, we're back to what the hell are angels, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so when, no, when I think I think I think you are right, but it when, would be so. It I would be think, interesting to sort of see what happens if someone like a Michael Carpenter essentially tries to argue with a force of nature that is is like irre, irrevocably stuck in a particular situation. Sure. No, I think that's I think that's true. Um, I think ultimately, yes, he would put down the coin, but uh, you know. I don't. I don't think that. I think that Michael Carpenter is probably incorruptible, but I also think that sort of the point of human free will is that he's not perfectly incorruptible. If that makes sense, like there is a abstract possibility that Michael Carpenter yes. could be corrupted, but his free will is such that it's not practically possible. But this. But then, if if we are saying that. The cosmology is based on Catholicism, sort of, and, and we've seen f- angels falling. That implies that everything and everyone is corruptible. If you accept that falling is an act of corruption, yes. As opposed, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, well, uh, maybe not corruption then, but it's able to change its nature. Yes. And then we're, we're, we're drifting dangerously close to our angels, just really powerful mantles. <laughs> what would have happened if Harry had kept calling Yoriel Yori? Uh, well, Other than Harry getting slapped in the face by a force of nature. Well, exactly. He'd just be in the doghouse. But... It's, it's, because that's ultimately just insulting to. <laughs> this, this, this is the thing: is is it merely insulting, or is there something about Harry Dresden or the, the nature of being starborn that means that he is capable of changing the unchangeable? Ah, well, that's a very popular theory, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but with uh, with that, because uh, hmm, the L part is ultimately very important in the name, right? That's the whole. Yes. Problem with that because he doesn't mind being called Mister Sunshine. No, it's the, it's the removal of L from his name because yeah. L means of God. Yes, exactly. Hebrew? Uh, yes, I believe. Um, and so that's 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 just insulting. Whereas you know you can call him anything else, and he's he's absolutely fine yeah. with it. And, this, and Harry's Harry's ability to just name things is definitely. Hmm. Very interesting, wow. and, I, and I actually feel I never really clocked onto it until I reread 
Dresden Files. I can, and Butcher does that very well, actually, I think. Well, La- Lash is the obvious one. Yeah, yeah. But even Bob. Bob, Bob Alfred as well. Alfred, although it remains to be seen exactly what that has done. But mm. even Uriel, right? Like, he takes such an interest in this random mortal wizard all of a sudden. Yeah. But I guess um, that... But he hasn't actually... He's never given Mab another name, has he? No. There are certain people he's never dared no, because Mab, because Mab is absolute. Ah, well, no, not, not that's true. Not, not absolute in the capital A sense, but Mab, Mab is Mab, right? Harry says that loads. She was Mab. So yeah, but that's almost more interesting then, right? That he's so awed by who and what Mab is. But then a, a freaking archangel shows up. It's <laughs> He's all, like, it's hey, Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> it's all, yeah. It's very strange. It is very strange. It's also, well, it's not not completely not what we're going to talk about. Um, what half an hour in? Well, I guess so. We've been beating around, just beating around the bush. It, yeah, it but, just, but it's, it's, it's interesting. This is why it was good to just throw Dresden in as a possibility because there's, there's so much to talk about that we. It's phenomenally deep to say that at the end of the day, it, they're pulpy noir detective urban fantasy novels, or at least that's how they start. Yeah, you lose a little bit of that as as it goes on. I feel, but that is ultimately what the the vibe is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that that's absolutely true. Um, that you you lose some of the noir detective when a fault a sort of elder titan attacks Chicago with a WMD, which is understandable. Yeah, it's less about the detective work in that one, right? <laughs> There's not much. There's not really a mystery to solve. Yeah. <laughs> what is causing this massive destruction in town? Um, but we we sort of have been flirting with with the suggestion by Nitsua. Yes, I, that's how you say it. I don't really know Nitsua, Nitsua. Um, but an active member on the Discord, and he he had many different suggestions. Mm. Uh, one of them is is sort of um, the Dresden verse cosmology, which we've we've kind of been skirting around here, mm. right? The implied stated way the world works. Yes, uh, and I guess he he sort of went he or she actually I've got no idea. Uh, um, you know, outside of the gates, who was in charge of them before the Fae? How the trans- transition works? The White God, Merlin, etc., and he also called this the Dresden prehistory, which which we both quite liked as a thing. Yes, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess our discussion of you know what are the fallen, what are angels, etc., kind of it's all tied up, this. isn't it? Uh, and who is Mab? Mab is absolute. That that is a very powerful statement. But what, what exactly does it mean to you? I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't think, think I, I don't think I, I don't think I meant it in the way that it, that you're using it. It was uh, off the cuff. Absolute, rather than a sort of absolute in the same way that angels are. Ah, yeah, but Mab herself says it though, like that, right? She's like, "I am Mab." Yes, and and, and that's that it's means al- something. <laughs> it's almost like because we know that Mab was once mortal, and she wasn't Mab, 
and at that point she was not Mab, but it's almost like when she says that, it's almost acknowledging that the entirety of her mortal identity has been subsumed within and by being Mab. So my my, th- my theory is that Mab is uh, Nimue from Arthurian myth. Yes. But she is no longer Nimue. It, distinct from, say, Molly, right? So Molly was Molly Carpenter, uh, apprentice wizard, and is now Molly Winter Lady. But she's still sort of Molly Carpenter. Yeah, but that's a time thing, right? It might be a time thing, but Maeve, Maeve was always Maeve. Right? She wasn't subsumed yeah. by, by her role as Winter Lady in the same way that Mab is. Uh, what are you basing that on? Just how we see Maeve in the text. Nothing more than that. Yeah, but I think Maeve, Maeve was also made the Winter Lady when she was very young, was always my impression. True. True. That is very true. We don't know how long she was Winter Lady for. Nor how long Aurora was Summer Lady. To be yeah, fair. no, but Summer is a little different in that respect, right? Because because they have a different Mother Summer well. wasn't always Mother Summer, which is such a mind fuck. Yeah, whereas Mother Winter was always Mother Winter, which kind of to me always implied that Mab was always Mab, but the there, timelines of that don't really work. There has always been a Mab. There's always been a Mab, but has it always been this Mab? Unless, no, that doesn't work. And has it has it always has it mattered, or did it only really start to matter when the Fae did take charge of the gates? I th- I wonder if that's actually the better question. Right. So we say Mother Winter was always Mother Winter, and this is, I think, word of Jim as opposed to in the book. So take with pinch of salt. Um, but if Mother Winter was always Mother Winter, what does that mean? Because the, like, Mother Queen Lady triumvirate, is that really relevant before the Fae take over the gates? Or was is, is the well, it is. Of... It is perhaps right because it could be. It could explain why Winter is the one in charge, right? If, if we really take a leap of faith and we just flat out say that Mother Winter is Hecate. But it's yeah. Hecate who, who also split her power into six, essentially, to create both the queens of summer and winter. That... Then, then it kind of works, right? Because that's that's a literal passing of, of the mantle so almost she, from, so, from the so, Greek pantheon to so, something new. But yeah, it skips the Norse true. pantheon, which is a little difficult. That's true. If we assume it went Greek, then Norse, then Fey. I think I do assume that. Yeah, I think I do as well. Just just because all the Greek gods seem to have retreated into their retirement whereas there are some Norse gods that we know of kicking about Odin being the obvious example yeah but I think I hadn't quite quite thought of the 
Mother Winter was Hecate. Hecate. I say also Hecate. Yeah, um, that, that is probably more accurate. I don't know who I thought she was. But that would make sense. But yeah, so... We know that that, the... that that also implies many different things. A, a it it very much suggests a, a dwindling in power of the people. Because well, we know that we know that Mother Winter has a name that Harry didn't speak when he summoned her. Yes, but he called her Atropos, amongst other things. Yes, I can't remember the full list he uses. No, nor can I. I don't have it in front of me, annoyingly, but. He essentially calls her death at one point, isn't he? <laughs> I don't think he actually says death, because I've always assumed that, because obviously when Mother Summer comes back to the house, she looks alarmed for a moment that Harry named Mother Winter, but Mother Winter reassures her that he didn't speak the big one, essentially, which I have always assumed was death, but or Thanatos, Assuming that she's... He calls her Scald. Which is Norse. But Norse for what? I don't know. Um, Uh, means death. Fate? Should. It's one of the Norns. Yeah, it's funny that that's one of the trio of fates. A a triumph of it is very much what we're supposed to be thinking about all this. Yeah. Atropus, one of the three Moirai, so another one of the fates. So So you went with the with the fates theme. Now what's what's interesting as well about Mother Winter is that Harry gives her another name altogether. He do, he does that thing again. Granny Cleaver. He calls her Granny Cleaver, yeah. But she doesn't mind that. Yeah, but this is the thing. Whenever Harry names people, they never mind, right? When when Ex- he gives them completely new yeah. names, if if we if we just assume that Uriel's issue with Uri, I was going to say, except for the of his name, but he gives him a completely new name and he's fine with it. Same way that he calls Bob Bob, and you know that he calls Molly everything but Molly, essentially, mm-hmm. <laughs> for example. So Atropos was the fate who cut the threads. Yeah. Right, so Clovis spins the thread. The unraveling or whatever. Right. Lachesis measures the length and Atropos cuts it. But then Scald or Scald. Is just a Norn who shapes fate, I suppose. But she's also named as a Valkyrie in the prose. Edda. Yeah, but I guess what's... You, you make a good point, though, because Mother Summer was worried. And, and Mother so Winter what, did say, oh, what, you didn't, you didn't is... use my, my oldest name. But the question is, what what are we meant to think that name was? Right? I is think it it's death. death. I think it's death, but Hecate is a really good uh, other guess. But Bob did Bob invoke ne- Hecate's name, right? At some point, Hecate's kicking around. 
Yeah. Right at the, it's in Stormfront, actually. That could be misdirection. Or it's, it's indication that we should be thinking about Hecate, but not in that way. So what if Mother Winter is Atropos and schooled and just death, right? Yeah, but death is a very specifically different entity to those. Right, in any pantheon, death is always... Uh, I suppose. Someone else. I suppose. Maybe maybe she, maybe she is fate. That... that Rather than death. Makes more sense in some ways, yeah. Because the Nor- the Nor- she's one of the Norns and one of the fates. So maybe she is just... But where's the third one? This is my other question. So if she is Skulled and Atropos, then one assumes that Mother Summer is one of the other ones. Clotho, probably. So where's the third one? Well, there are um, Wild Fae, I suppose. But, the, but Mother Summer and Mother Winter are so inextricably linked. The two sides True, but, of the but, but yeah, but if because you could also argue if if we're talking of of two sets of three fates, that is all the queens of of it could be fairy, all the queens right? of fairy. Yeah. That's true. Except that Mother Winter has two names for some reason, but, but equally, uh, I mean, Harry calls her that. Does that mean it's true? Well, she answers. Yeah, but that she might but she, she might answer answering to one Winter. of the two. Mm. Uh, I can't remember if he actually also summons Mother Summer, uh, Mother Winter, rather. I don't know if he actually says Mother. He must actually say Mother Winter. He must yeah. use the other names to get her attention, and then actually summon her with Mother Winter. I'm fairly sure of it, but I'm, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I mean, she, she's just an interesting character because a walking stick as well, and all that sort of business. There's the black stat. Yeah, uh, something that, that popped into my mind, and and this is in keeping with the complete rambly nature of this episode <laughs> is. <laughs> You know how Uriel gets really upset when Free Will is in peril, right? When Free Will is being suppressed. That's such a weird... Yes, I do, but that's such a weird thing I want to come back to. It It is, right? Because when you're saying Molly's still Molly, but you know it's very clear that she's changing and Mab is now Mab. Her mortal self is, is essentially gone. Yeah. So the, the the mantles of fairy take away a mortal's free will. Without the mortal choosing to take up the mantle. Yes, because the mantle is, is given to you, right? Mm. And yet, Oriel doesn't break the world every time it happens. Unless the mantles don't affect your free will. Maybe you just understand the consequences of your actions. So Mab's will is just Nimue's will. Helped and assisted by the mantle, but the choices are still Nimue's. Hmm. 
because take the winter mantle because that's one that we understand better um, the, the, the winter night mantle it gives Harry urges and desires but Harry has to choose to give in to those or to act on them or to resist them so that's just free will it's no different than alcohol really it amplifies what is already there I don't like that explanation but I don't really have a good reason for why not I'm not convinced I'm not necessarily convinced by it because I think that certainly the mothers are, are so immensely powerful the, the suggestion of free will is almost comical in that sense, right? That's true. As in literature, we, we've seen them being unable to act according to what they may or may not want to do. The power prevents them from acting. Yeah. So how do we square that with free will? Yeah. How do you square that? Because that, that is the mantle preventing them from following through on, on their free will, right? Yeah. Which goes against what Uriel stands for. Uh, uh, that This is on the assumption that the mothers are mortal or were mortal. But if Mother That's Winter dies, assuming Mother Winter is capable of dying, or she must be, because all the mortals are capable of dying, Mab, in theory, becomes Mother Winter, which means... At that point, a mortal has been changed. <sighs> Difficult, isn't it? And, and I guess it, there's also the, the, the other question of maybe Uriel does hate that, but... But maybe it's necessary. Maybe it's A, necessary, and B, like, sure, he can destroy entire solar systems, apparently. But can he actually destroy winter? You know, that's not really in his remit. Yeah. Same way that I think he he wouldn't be able to, you know, undo Hades, for example. This is so complicated because I think he could. You think he could? But I think there's something there's something wrapped up in which creation myth is true. Well, in some ways, in the Dresden verse, they 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 all are, and and this is perhaps a really teleological argument for why Uriel couldn't undo Hades because there are what? people who choose to believe in Hades, and so you can't have him undo that. They could still believe in Hades because Hades doesn't answer their prayers. One assumes. Uh... Yeah, but if you undo Hades, you undo the, op- the the possibility of your soul going to Hades. And so, if Not there are still people who do believe that, there's also this this you know Hades. It is entirely possible for Uriel to be theoretically capable of unraveling Hades, right? Without him ever See being that. ever going to do that. Uh, I don't. I know no, you don't if like that's that. true. They're, they're, they're two different forces that have to exist somehow that, that I don't think can influence each other. So you see, I I'm, don't have any evidence for that. But. No. <laughs> I think essentially 
some hybrid of Genesis and evolution is true in the Dresden verse. But I don't think that was always the case. I think essentially when the white god became the preeminent deity in the Dresden verse, that sort of retroactively, he then always had been the white god. Yes. It like retroactively changed the past, essentially. Yes. I think. But that's why it's it's really hard to judge what what roles that you know that level of, of power is performing. But I always wonder if trying to trying to pin down Uriel and the and the White God is and maybe to a greater or lesser extent, Hades is sort of futile because they're such abstract beings. It's it's always going to be really difficult to conceptualize. It it, it is, but but Jim Butcher established that faith is is somehow important in all of this, right? That the sort of yes. the waxing and waning of 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 these entities' powers has something to do with mortals believing in them. Which begs a really interesting question in my mind, you know, if 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 Whereas if humanity in the Dresden verse became atheist, what would hold reality together? Well, humanity doesn't believe in Mab or Winter. No, but humanity believes in winter. Right? Because you experience winter, you see winter. Yes. I suppose we anthrop- we've had this conversation before. Humanity anthropomorphizes everything. So yes, we yes. talk about winter's bite and all of that. So maybe. Like there, there's something at odds with, with the, the stuff that has created the stuff and the stuff that is in charge of maintaining the stuff. <laughs> Uh, a bit like as well with the the gates, right? It, 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 if the suggestion is that it used to be different pantheons of gods holding holding the gates, and for one reason or another, they hand over that responsibility. Is that is that because of mortals changing something, or does the handing over of the gates essentially cause mortal belief to, ch- to 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 wax and wane. Oh, you think that that's sort of an event that that pushes? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm no, just, that's I'm just, an interesting concept. I'm just just wondering. So obviously, the Norse. We we know for a fact that the Norse gods held the gates before winter, so about seven hundred years ago. And we assume, or I assume, that they held it, held them for about seven hundred years. So, from approximately three hundred CE to no, uh, five hundred CE to twelve hundred CE, which yeah. pretty neatly lines up with the rise and fall of Germanic paganism, North Germanic paganism across across Europe. 
What I don't know is, did the fall of Germanic paganism cause the change at the gates? Or did the change, the, the, the coming change at the gates cause the fall of Germanic paganism? Yes, and, and equally, are, are there hostile takeovers at the gates in, in some ways? Or much like the, the, the winter queen and lady, at least, mantles and summer queen and lady mantles, does there always need to be someone holding the gates? So when time comes for a change, which I assume is linked to something in the Starborn cycle, do the gates decide? Does the entirety, essentially, of the entirety of reality realign itself mm. such that there is someone to hold the gates? Yeah, well, Starborn is, is a concept that I, I just cannot wrap my head around. And it's very simplest, I get it. Some, someone whose brain operates on such a frequency, or whose who's being operates on such a frequency as to be the antithesis of the outsiders, I completely understand. That's fine. But there seems to be so much more to it than that. There does, yeah. But in my mind, I'm starting to think about all this as a sort of just... It's just a reflection of, of, of real life in some ways, right? In that you have the conservation of energy, but the universe is expanding. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, our I... sun has a finite life cycle. So, and and we, and I think we are seeing in the Dresden verse, like we do in so much fictional media, that there is a loss of power. Usually, which is usually sort of inversely correlated with a rise in just mortal <coughs> prevalence almost yes and, and it's just sort of this and the the outsiders are just this inevitable and the inevitable droning on of time there's i essentially think of them as entropy yeah see but i don't like it when people start talking about entropy because no one understands entropy correctly it's the tendency of a system to tend to chaos isn't it yeah, you see, that's just too simplistic, but yes. Fair <laughs> It'll work for my purposes. Um, okay, yeah, there. I, I won't use the word entropy, but there. The word chaos is also very difficult to define, right? True. Yeah, I, I think of it more in terms of, you know, anytime anything happens, it creates more possibilities of stuff that could happen. Which if you think about it in terms of, of, of gates and outsiders trying to come in, so over time you just get more and more opportunities for change. Okay, yeah, no, I see that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's really complicated, isn't it? Like, what, what, what are the gates? Why is it that different factions hold them? But this is this is where I start to really struggle because we're we're at this. You said earlier the universe is finite but expanding. My answer to that has always been to the chagrin of my science teachers: into what? Now I know if you're a physicist, into what doesn't make any sense. But my puny lizard brain can't compute that that doesn't make sense. So in the yeah. same way as I don't understand how the universe can be expanding into 
itself essentially how, how can everything be getting bigger but i don't don't at me i don't care if the gates are the borders of reality how can there be anything on the other side of them that is comprehensible by a mortal mind and we know that it's comprehensible by a mortal mind because both harry and rashid have looked out over the gates yeah and it's even weirder in that sense because the gates are clearly then moving because reality is expanding. Presumably at the cost of unreality, which then makes the, the sort of the struggle of the outsiders perhaps. Yeah, but is the never-never expanding? Well, the never-never is in reality, right? Uh, is it part of this universe or is it a parallel universe? Does that matter? Yeah, but that's still, that's two versions of it's a real thing. Two versions thing. of the same thing. The, the the outsiders are fundamentally something from from beyond our reality. I don't know what that means. Our reality, mind no. you. I don't know what anything means at this point. <laughs> no, I've got myself very confused. It's see. Every time we talk Dresden, we just get into these really complicated pseudo philosophical debates. Yeah, it really lends itself to the armchair armchair psychologist. Um, he does, and, and you just know that Jim is never going to give the satisfaction of a good answer. No, because I hesitate to say this. I don't think there are answers to a lot of this. I think I think some of these things will be answered, right? But I think the metaphysical implications of the withdrawal of free will that becoming a queen of fairy has, for example, I just don't think that's going to be dealt with. Because I don't think it's relevant. Uriel exists to defend free will. Yes. Where, where, where a being interferes with that, Uriel will act to counter it. I think it's that simple. He's a plot device, essentially. Yeah. No, true. And I, I, I agree. I, I think those kind of things we won't get answers for, and it, it probably doesn't matter. But the, if the overarching plot is the big struggle between outsiders and insiders, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And bearing in mind that the Oblivion War exists, right? And people, yes. certain individuals have known about this. And, and, and also no one is taking the fight to the outsiders, right? The, the people that we're, we're holding gates, we're not, we're defending. It's a siege. It's a siege, but you have to wonder if there are forces as powerful as the White God... Why can the white god not act against the outsiders? Or is that what the expansion of the universe is ultimately? Or is 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 it uh, is the is. siege of the gates essentially a sortie by the outsiders to defend their own reality? I have a slightly different theory, or not a theory, slightly different suggestion. What if the outsiders are the operation of Newton's second law every action provokes an equal and opposite reaction third law third law sorry um so what if what if outs the outsiders are the equal and opposite reaction to reality you see but that that's that's a really unsatisfying answer i i, I kind of like because, because no one can win exactly no one can win in that sort of but maybe that's the point <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's the point. You don't you don't 
win, you just continue to exist. Continue to exist is winning. Yeah, the problem the problem with Newton's laws is that there are so many scenarios where they, they, they're no longer that accurate, right? Yeah, I know. Um, but I'm willing to bet that Jim understands theoretical physics about as well as I do. Uh, that doesn't stop you from trying, though, does it? No, exactly. It's very true. <laughs> it's very true. I don't know my own limits. Okay, well, so so far we've established that prehistory is a thing that we don't understand. The current status quo we don't understand. Yeah, it's not it's not gone well for us. And especially because one of the points that I that I'd sort of you know mooted earlier was if we do accept that there's been a transition in power. Mm-hmm. Why though? Because if the Norse gods held the gates at one point, why is Odin still very much a thing? And yes, well, perhaps not. his power is a bit diminished, but he's still he's still there, right? Yes. And 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 Hades, he's for example, not, he's not, even though people don't believe in him as much, he he's still you know you don't mess with him. <laughs> Hades' power is not diminished at the center of his power, right? In Hades, in Tartarus, yes. Hades' yeah. power is not diminished, but I suspect his domain. The, the field upon which he can exercise power is much diminished. Yes. Um, I think. Why that's the case, I don't really know. Yeah, but and, and that's also such a weird line to follow, right? Because then you would argue, well, if the outsiders attack the gates in summer, then surely they'll win. <laughs> right? Because winter is only strong when it's winter. Well, no, they're only they're they're strong. No, they're heights. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, not to mention that Odin also somehow is in the Winter Court. That really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, Odin is Odin is both really complicated and really easy. He's really complicated because nothing that you think applies to Odin. And he's really easy because the answer is he cheats. He he, he cheats, but he's he, but that makes him almost more complicated because he's a real force of nature that also o- just Odin. has choice. Nothing but choice, because he does whatever the hell he wants. Odin is not in the Winter Court. No, Odin is not. Kringle is in the Winter Court. But whatever entity we- that, that wears all these various mantles is. Donov, I, th- I think... It's either Donner Vaderung or it's One Eye. I, I can't work out if Vaderung is its is itself. <sighs> no, but surely his most true essence is that of Odin. But no? I don't think anyone has ever called him. Anyone who knows has ever called him Odin. Harry has Harry's called, called him, him Odin. Odin, but Mab only ever refers to him as One Eye or Vaderung. Even in Battleground, she only ever refers to him as One Eye. So I maintain I don't think Vaderung is Odin. I don't think he's the All Father anymore. I think except, except we know he he is because he's he's got a, an army of Einherjar, you know. Yeah, but they just sort of work for him. 
uh, yeah, or he he uses soul fire to turn them into revenants, but which is really confused. Yeah, let's, let's just not even touch that. <laughs> How did he get soul fire? That's a very good question. How did Odin get soul fire? Part of me still still likes this bizarre idea that Odin is Merlin in some way. I actually don't hate that idea. I don't think it's true, but I don't hate it because it would actually make it. If Odin started as a mortal, everything gets simpler somehow. Yeah, but but then uh, yeah, I don't know if if original Odin and this Odin slash Merlin are the same thing though. I, I'm envisaging along the lines of of me suggesting that maybe Hecate gets you know splits herself. So the, the my... thing that used to be Odin split itself, and part of it he gave to Merlin. Ooh, because you know we, we know that Odin helped, or you know, or One Eye, whoever helped what? Merlin make Demon Reach, right? O- Odin helped Merlin. Yes. Yeah, but but there's Odin a lot of ways you can interpret Merlin. that. Odin taught. Merlin. I think the the problem is we and Harry use the terms one eye, Vadarung, and Odin interchangeably, and I don't think they're interchangeable. Right? There are times when one eye is acting as Donar Vadarung. There are times when he's acting as Kringle. There may well be times when he's acting as <sighs> But... Odin, and those are not the same, and I think that's how he's still around. They're not the same, but he manages to switch between them a lot, no? Yeah, he does. He puts them, he takes them off and on because he's had thousands of years of practice. But but to the point where, you know, as Kringle, he can all of a sudden turn into a time-manipulating uber-god. Y- yeah, when he as Kringle takes the wild hunt back in time or sends Harry forward in time. Yeah, like he, he manipulates time, which which he steps, is he? more of an Odin thing, right? Well, no, Kringle absolutely manipulates time. It's the only way Santa Claus works. Actually, that's true. See, that, that this true. is the thing. The time manipulation, I think, is a Kringle thing. Leading the wild hunt is an Odin thing. <laughs> But he's yeah, not but leading, but leading the wild, the wild hunt. hunt is is you know Harry can do that as well. But he's, yeah, but also Kr- Kringle is not leading the wild hunt. The Earl King is. My head hurts. Ah, so oh, this is so difficult. Isn't it? Right. So, so my my Odin theory, and I think this this sort of works with the Greek gods to a lesser extent as well. Something. I'm going to essentially the power itself of the Norse gods presented Odin Allfather with a choice at the end of the last, well, essentially when their tenure on the outer gates was coming to a line. It's coming to an end. And Odin, a bit like Hades, was able to retain the vast majority of his power if he agreed, in inverted commas, to step back and stop interfering with mortals. Now, because Odin's a cheating bastard, he did that, and then promptly put up the mantle of Odin or stopped using it by becoming Kringle and Donovadarung. So, 
as Odin, he's not able to interfere with mortals, but as Kringle and, uh, and, and Vadarung, he's able to influence events. But, but I don't buy it. I don't buy it, because Hades, in your analogy, wouldn't be able to interfere with anything, and yet he engineers uh, something that involves a whole bunch of mortals, right? Because he, he... The only reason Harry ends up in Hades' vault is because Hades wanted him there. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't engineer that. Nicodemus still has to put the play. Yes, in. But, it, but it's but it's a collaboration between Mab and Hades that that ultimately makes this happen, right? But so Hades is still very much playing the game. Isn't the collaborate? Yes, but so is so is Odin. Yeah, but that's the, my point. Yeah, but isn't the collaboration Hades essentially not acting, not stopping them from? Yeah, because he doesn't need to, but but he he speaks to Harry directly, and he essentially tells him what the fuck's going on. Yeah, because Harry puts himself in Hades' power. Harry, yeah, Harry no, but goes the suggestion to... to me was always that that, that this that the Hades made that made this all happen. I don't think that Hades makes it all happen. Like Harry goes to Tartarus and puts himself at the center of Hades' power, enabling Hades to talk to him. And, and 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 there, but but that's all through choices that Harry made. Hades doesn't go to Earth and speak to Harry there. But, but he's but mm, no, but it's not that direct, right? But what Hades very much does do is collect a whole bunch of artifacts that are very important <laughs> to the mortals. Yeah, but that's fine. That's just being. I think a, that's not that's not interfering with mortals. Of course, it is. It's of course not. it is. No, it's but almost not. the bigger question is, right, if reality is under constant assault by some force that is going to end reality, mm. why on earth would you offer the people who are capable of fighting that the chance to stop? Because why power, would anyone choose to stop? Because their power is waning. So they're, they're not given the choice to stop. The, change, the changing of the guard at the gates is a metaphysical fact. So you but their are... power doesn't wane that obviously, as you said in 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 Tartarus, Hades's power is is still virtually absolute. But if you compare right? if you compare that with the assumed power of a being like Hades or Hecate or Odin, outside their centers of power, at the height of their religion's beliefs, right? So Odin Odin says to or Vadaron says to Harry, like. You stand here at the center of my power on Midgard, and if I wanted to, like, I'd just will you dead. All right? I think that at the height of the Norse pantheon, being the guards of the gates, Odin could just do that to anyone yeah, anywhere. But, but that doesn't work either because the people in charge of the gates aren't the strongest faction. Right, if if faith or something like that has to do with it, then it should be the archangels guarding the gates. But they have other jobs to do. Oh, but that's that's some bullshit argument, though, isn't it? Because when the Norse pantheon was in charge, they had other shit to do as well. <laughs> they they had to make sure that you know fields were growing and and water was flowing and people were, I don't know, doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, but I don't necessarily Imagine fighting giants all the time. But like Mab isn't at the gates all the time, right? No, Winter, she's got other shit to do as well. Yeah, Winter's forces are. 
But even, that's even more reason to, to then ask, why is there not a whole army of angels guarding the gates? If you can spare, like, four of them to stand guard over my carpenter's house, you know? True. Because that's not... The simple answer is because that's not their purpose. But then what is their purpose? If, 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 like, if their purpose is to defend... Be, being the living embodiment of the laws of thermodynamics. Yeah, but exactly. The laws of thermodynamics would have to fight something that fundamentally breaches the laws of thermodynamics, no? Yeah, probably. So I, I don't, I don't get why why the forces of the white god are not because God acting. works in mysterious ways. Oh fuck off! <laughs> you absolute bellend. <laughs> oh well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to leave and never talk to you again after that sorry that was that was just shocking. such a, it was such a straight line it was so good that was absolutely shocking i don't know I, I don't know why michael for example isn't just on gates duty and the, the simple answer is because that's not his job but i i understand why isn't defensive reality the job of the Archangel Michael? Yes. Well, that's a very good question. Like, what what are they doing that's so important, you know? <laughs> yeah. Especially since Mr. Sunshine can apparently take time out of his day to have lunch with Odin. Yeah. But I, I, guess, I guess a more sinister option as well is that if, if the White God is, is truly the, the God who made everything... Then the white god also made the outsiders. That I think is a really good question. Did the white god make the outsiders or are they outside the white god's power? Damn it, Jim Butcher. I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> Couldn't you just write detective stories? Yeah. Well, it was all much easier when it was just How do we kill a Lugalu? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, thanks, Nitsa, for, for supplying us with this idea, and, and sorry that we absolutely bungled it. Um, we only actually got through half of the things that we sort of wrote down. <laughs> yeah, we've got we two were like, more oh, We're not going to be able to talk about anything. But two more points. And we were going to talk about the, the latest Ring of Power trailer. Just as, think, a, yeah. as an aside, and we didn't do that. I liked uh, it. I, yeah, I liked it. My head hurts. I'm still trying to work out why Mab is in charge of all of the accorded nations. Like, that's so confusing. Yes. Why, why did she write the Unsealing Accords? See, but perhaps, this, perhaps we're all being misled here. And is, this is what the Black Council is actually trying to show us, that it's all bollocks, right? And and the Unseelie are just serving their own agenda. It's all just smoke and mirrors. The Archangels are serving their own agenda. And no one actually cares about the mortals except for the Black Council. I'm fairly sure that that's going to be a plot point at some point. I think you're right. I think that's what the Black Council think. Yeah. Or, or something, some variant of that. 
I've told you my, told you my Arthur Langtree is head of the Black Council theory. You have, yes. Yeah, I like that one. I'm not sure if you said that on air, but you have definitely mentioned this to me. Yeah, no, I, I can. I might give that one. I might do that one as a hot take, actually. Arthur Langtree is the head of the Black Council. I'd, I'd love to see you try that. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's very obviously wrong. Yeah, no, it's 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 very obviously wrong, but also great. He's head of the Black Council. He's a member of the Grey Council, and he's the head of the White Council. I did it, guys. I broke him. Uh, well, no, because I was just thinking back to the idea that Langtree is Merlin, who is also Odin. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. I'll, I'll see if I can wrap that into the hot Yeah. <laughs> so we have Odin being Merlin, being Black Council, Grey Council, and White Council. Yeah. And kind of determined to kill Harry as well, just for dance. Just while we're on the White Council, and I know we need to stop because we've been going for like an hour and a half, but... <laughs> Never. This episode will never end. What is the black staff? A walking stick. Don't say Mother Winter's walking stick. I know it's Mother Winter's walking stick, but... It's just a powerful artifact. I no. don't understand. Like it, it Obviously, it, it shields the wielder from the corrupting influences of dark magic, if we accept that dark magic has intrinsically corrupting influences, which I'm not sure I accept. It feels like White Council dogma. But it itself also appears to be corrupting. Yeah, but this but this I think is the very crux of, of all of the Dresden why, verse, why, right? Why, why is it corrupting to pull a satellite out of the sky and have it hit a house, but not corrupting to use exactly the same spell to pull a satellite out of the sky and have it hit the ocean. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, do we know that's true? We know that the former is said to be corrupting. That's Using magic to kill is black magic, which is corrupting. That's white council dogma. Oh, but that is so not true, though, because Harry kills so many things, <laughs> and it's never corrupted him. Like he literally flamethrowers a whole bunch of shit. He 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 crushed ice as a, a, a troll, and and sorry to kill to, to kill mortals. Yeah, but Eb didn't kill mortals, really. He did he killed he killed yeah, uh, Castle You know, that's just bad aim. No, but, but the point is he did kill them using magic, which is a breach of the laws of magic. Oh, yeah, but that's bullshit, because you know, that's just someone wrote down some laws one time. And he also does that thing where he like points the black staff at people and they die. Yeah, yeah, no, he does do that. But is that him? Or is that the staff? <sighs> But this, but this is the whole thing with the Dresden fight. Like it, it's all it's all about corruption in one way or another, right? Pick up a coin, get corrupted. Cast a spell, get corrupted. In, everyone gets corrupted. Cast a spell with black magic, get corrupted. Become a vampire, get corrupted. Yeah. Um. Put on a winter mantle, get corrupted. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, th there was one thing we were going to talk about at one point, right? Is it, w w which of the choices and changes should be? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
which they could have, should have had an hour's worth of episode. It's a, it's, a, it's a full episode. We'll, we'll save that one for another time. Bit of um, sizzle there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. My brain also hurts. I don't know anything <sighs> about anything. No. I've come out of this with more. I, we always do this with the Dresden Files. I've come out of this with more questions than I started. Yes. I thought I vaguely understood it. Yeah, but every time we talked about anything with, like this in Dresden Files, we still don't know what immortality is. We don't know how mantles work. We don't know what, what free fuck is will uploaded. is. We don't know what free will is. <laughs> we don't know why the why Winter Court uh, the the Winter Court is in charge of a lot of things. No. We don't know why the Winter Court is is so powerful. It doesn't really make any sense. I don't know why it exists. <laughs> Other than in very abstract, I understand that we have winters. I don't know why the Oblivion War is a thing. I don't understand the Oblivion War. I don't understand the Oblivion War. I don't understand how very often summer seems to aggro against winter. Because that's surely no one's interest. <laughs> no, that's... I think they just have to. That one, I think, is just a sort of... They are opposites, so they aggro. Yeah, but... But no. Why is it the case that every time we see summer and winter marshalling forces, they're perfectly balanced when we know that winter has infinite troops at the gates and we know that the fighting at the gates waxes and wanes. Well, exactly. Because I think Summer's always doing the aggroing. Yeah, but... Like, isn't it possible that at some point Summer's going to aggro winter when it's an off day at the gates and, like, 20 million winter troops just crush Titania like a bug? Yeah, no, because I, I think... That's why Mab is in charge and not Titania. Because Mab can do the calculation and say, well, well it's not what we need, it. and we need Summer, ultimately. But Summer only exists to be a check on Mab. Not, not really, right? Because we know that Mab essentially calls in Titania's... She calls in Titania to help fight someone like Ethnew. Yeah, but that's not... Uh, how does Ethnew fit into all of this? Cause, Why cause are there we, titans? Because we have to remember that, that the, <laughs> the person who said that... Um, what am I trying to say here? The person who explains that... Titania is the check on Mab. Yeah, is, is Mother Summer, right? <laughs> yeah, Mab protects you from the outsiders. Titania protects you from Mab. Yeah, so that that that's, is that's, in that's, no way necessarily true. <laughs> no, because it could. Well, so Mother Summer believes it to be true. Yeah, which is not. But, the same but thing we've never true. really seen Mab in any way take aim at mortals. No, uh, yes, yeah, like she, she, she's 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 brutal and cruel, but it's, she's not like sending armies of of Fey into the streets. You know. No. Time for bed. Thank you, Alexa. <laughs> And on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave that in, aren't I? I hope you do.
damn it, being outed. Um, but yes, on that bombshell, thanks for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know, rate the podcast and leave us a comment. Drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at zero expertise. Check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com or come join us on our Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. If you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Now we'll be back in two weeks' time where we celebrate the release of House of the Dragon by finally answering that all-important question. Red or black? Join us then for more nonsense. Mm -hmm.